Each one. Reach one. Say it again. Each one. Reach one. That's what we're going to talk about the next couple of weeks. How you can be instrumental in reaching out to those, your workers, your neighbors, with the gospel of Jesus Christ in a practical way. And we're going to have, today we're going to talk about having fun with it because we don't know when, wherever we reach out to other people, God has already set some things in motion already. We just don't understand it. And we're going to talk about how we can have fun even when you, someone tells you no. You can still have fun. I remember the guy reached out to me. I told him no about 19 times. About the 20th time, I said yes. But he never stopped asking. He didn't get discouraged because he knew what I'm about to teach you today. Let's go to Luke chapter 10, verses 17 to 24. This is Jesus in gathering the disciples. You have your Bible. If not, we have it on the screen. And that was I'm using the ESV version. It starts in verse 17. It says this, The 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. In the same hour, he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit. And I said, thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father. No one knows who the Son is except the Father and who the Father is except the Son and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Then turning to the disciples, he said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings desired to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Key word when you read through these passages is the word rejoice. Three things I want to pull out of this scripture, out of this passage. We can rejoice in our superiority, we can rejoice in our salvation, and we can rejoice in God's sovereignty. And the reason why I picked the word rejoice, let me give you a backdrop on what's going on in this story. This is the end of the story. Jesus actually took, seven, took 72 people, regular people, difference being he said disciples, and sent them out two by two to go before him to villages to preach the gospel. Now, talking about preaching the gospel, usually when you preach the gospel, signs and wonders will follow what you're doing. So if there's a demon, you cast it out. If someone's de- oppressed, you cast. If they're depressed, you lift them up. You preach the good news to them, and God has a way of getting their attention through signs and wonders. But it's only a lot when you're preaching the gospel. And he took these guys and told them, don't worry about anything. Don't worry about taking food. Don't worry about taking money. Everywhere you go, you'll be provided for. Regular guys. Now, in chapter, Luke chapter 9, the, the, the 12 disciples went out with the same story. Don't worry about anything. I'll take care of everything. You got to realize whenever you go and do God's work, God's way, you'll have God's provision. And then worry about where you're going to stay. Interesting, though, when you look in verse 3 of chapter 10, he said this, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are uh, few. He said, pray. 
But he didn't tell them to stay and pray. He says, go your way. As you're praying, because he will notice something. Laborers will meet laborers. Spectators will attract spectators. If he just say, stand and sit and pray, you become a spectator. He wants you to go labor, and then you pray for laborers, and you'll meet someone like you. You ever notice that? Because spectators will gather spectators. But he says something key that really resonated with me. He said, the kingdom of God, he says, even if they reject you and tell you no, and one thing you got to realize, you can tell them that the kingdom of God has come near. And I looked at that and said, you know, kind of in America, we kind of forget. We try to run all around the world and go to conferences to find the kingdom of God. And we kind of forget that those who are born again, the kingdom of God resides in each and every one of us. In Luke 17, 20, 21, it says, Behold, the kingdom is in the midst or in you. Jesus was trying to tell the Pharisees, we don't have to run over here and say there's the kingdom. We don't have to go over here and say the kingdom. The kingdom is in you. So whenever America prays for revival, we pray for your heart to be revived, and then the kingdom of God will spread. It's not about the events. It's about what's in you and realizing what's in you. Now, how do you have joy in rejection? How do you have joy in the unknown? Well, God kind of sets some things up. He gives us joy ahead of time before we do the work. Now, the word joy and rejoice found a definition about it. It means this, a quality or attitude of delight and happiness which is ultimately grounded in the work of God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, when I read that, I, I got convicted because sometimes my joy is grounded on the results of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. How many fall into that trap? My joy is dependent on what I think God should have done for me. No one has that issue? I'm a sinner. My joy is up if something is going right. I feel it should go right, the way I want it to go. But if it doesn't go that way, I don't have much joy. I have a lot of pain, and I'm out just putting sackcloth and ashes on me, and I'm just praying out to God and say, please change this. And he said, can you have joy in me only for who I am, not for what I do? I fall down all the time. All the time. I forget. Because I have expectations for God. And his only expectation for me was to save me. <laughs> so you have joy grounded in who he is. Which makes it fun. Which the more I get to know Jesus, the more I need to know my position. Which is the first one. Rejoice in your superiority. Verses 1 and 2. The 72 returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us. And whose name? Whose name? And he said to him, I saw Satan fall from like lightning from heaven. Behold, I've given you authority to tread on the serpents, the scorpions, and all the power of the enemy. Nothing shall what? This is amazing. He's talking about the authority that we have as believers. Talks about the finished work of Christ. Now, when he talked about I saw, he's celebrating with them. I saw Satan fall from heaven. Whoosh. 
Now, he's talking about, if you look at, you can look at, look these up when you get home, Isaiah 14, Ezekiel 28. There's a, a description of Satan falling out of heaven because pride would not let him keep his position. And he fell. Jesus, I'm celebrating. I'm celebrating with you. But I'm also telling you the reason why they're subject to you is because I've destroyed them. And y'all don't believe me. Because you should have said amen by now. But y'all playing around with demons, you shouldn't have to. You're playing around with demons, you don't have to. Gave authority, gave us preservation and protection from danger. It's amazing. He also talked about when in, in the garden. Here he was, gets baptized. Holy Spirit comes down, Father speaks, I am well pleased with my son. Sends him, leads him into the, into the wilderness. It's amazing. Sends him into the wilderness. 40 days with no food. Nothing. Guess who comes to tempt him? The devil. One guy wrote, Jesus went into the wilderness looking for a fight. Because he went in by being led by the Spirit. He came out being empowered by the Spirit. And he told him, you cannot, you trick Adam, who was full. But I'm empty. You're not going to trick the Son of God. I'm taking back the dominion that you tried to take from us. You don't believe that. All we talk about salvation. You don't understand that you can defeat, you have defeated the enemy. It's a finished work. Then he's talking about prophesying on the cross when they thought they had me. I was done. Satan is laughing. Boom. Three days later, he wasn't laughing. He was cast out. All authority is gone now. All authority is back in his people, in his church. And we forget that. We play with demons. We play with them like a fly coming in your house i'll just wait till he died won't you kill that bad boy <laughs> i'll just open the door they leave so more can come in or i'll just talk about him forever i'm so oppressed i'm so oppressed and you have and we have a service for it we'll cry and we'll have we'll just worship and he's sitting in the stands eating popcorn they don't even know i've been defeated I'm like a little fly on the wall where they can squash at any time. I can say that. It's been a, a heck of a year. Two years for Pastor Rich. And it's okay. I realize laying on my back, all they're going to do is look up. I got authority. As soon as this body lines up, I'm going to get back and stomp you right upside your head because I'm so tired. This ain't my notes. what's going on guys you, we don't play with them we don't usher them and give them credit now there's certain things you do that's stupid you deal with it but a lot of times whenever you're trying to do something for God you better believe he's going to send some minions your way to mess with you and you know what you could tell he's attracted to light you ever notice out here in West Texas when you turn your light on the gnats and the flies get by your doors now, if you have no gnats and no flies messing with you, maybe your light's not on. Because it only goes out to high valuable targets. Those who want to do something. So I rejoice in the superiority, which means is authority. You got to rejoice in your authority, not play, not worrying about, I'm so under. You're not under, that's a mindset. Read your word and find out where you really belong and who you really are or what he's really done for us on the cross. 
This morning I'm singing four songs and I'm going home and then Monday I'm getting my, my tail kicked. Kick his tail. Yeah. Well, I got to get going. We have superiority. I rejoice in that, man. That's fun. That's what he did. It's a finished work. It's finished. So we're going to celebrate Easter. It is finished. When people get baptized, it is a finished work. I was a slave, but I'm a slave no longer. I was bound, but I'm bound no longer. He took the keys back. They're mine. He's, what it says in um, Colossians 2.15, he disarmed the rulers and authorities. Now, I remember when I first came in the military, we had to play with guns. And they didn't want to break out the real stuff they preferred we might kill each other. So he gave us plastic guns to pull on somebody. Plastic gun. They're red. Can't do nothing with them. There's no bullets in them. You just can hit a guy with it. That's all you can do. It reminded me of Satan. We're running away from plastic guns. No bullets. When he says I disarmed them, I disarmed them. And then I triumphed. You know who his triumph is? Us. We're his triumph. See, it gives you a new praise and worship, don't it? You walked in here one way, you're going to walk out here another way when you know who you are. I got to move on because I only got three hours. <laughs> I ain't going to talk about the mice. I talked about that last year. Other one is rejoice in your salvation. Verse 20 says, nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your name is written in heaven. Eternal life with everlasting God and the essence of blessing. Really, our eternal life with an everlasting God is the very essence of our blessing. Think about that. Your name is written in the book of life. That means when I read that, God knows who you are. I'm... I am just, thank you, Lord. There's nothing in my life that you know my name. There's nothing more assuring that you know my name. What really gives me the intensity of life today, that those who don't know, he doesn't have their name in his book. Remind me of a story uh, that Jesus told in Luke chapter 16, 1931. Lazarus and the rich man. It says on earth, Lazarus sat at the gate. Sores all over him. The dogs will lick his sores. The rich man's in. The, he come out. He just wants some of the rich man's crumbs. On earth, he seemed like a failure. And the rich man seemed like a success. It's interesting thing happens at the end. They both die. And it shows here a, a picture of what it's like to be in everlasting paradise and everlasting punishment. Because let me tell you something. If you don't know Jesus, we're not going to die. This is not the end of your life if you happen to stop breathing here today. You're going to a third phase. If you don't know who he is, that's eternal punishment, which really rocks me when I see people because I want them to have the eternal paradise. And it says while they're in there, the bum, as he would call it today, Lazarus, became comforted and the rich man was down being in chaos which I'm a gnashing of teeth talking about pain can I tell you something you'll be able to know the pain that you're in if you don't know Jesus when you're in everlasting punishment that's why he says gnash that means it's painful 
And he, and he never got it because he still felt that Lazarus was a slave. He says, he's in Abraham's bosom. Abraham, send Lazarus down to give me a cup of water. Wait a minute. Oh, I'm sorry. Now, Lazarus was cool. I would have said, sorry, bro. I was your slave up in the world, but I'm a king down here. I'm a king up here. Thank you. And it says they're able to see each other. Now, a lot of theologians say, I'm not sure. But I'm going to tell you, it's a great picture of what it looks like at the end when I start breathing here on earth. There's another world we're going to. We don't like to talk about it. And we try to say, maybe hell doesn't exist. It exists. Everything this Bible says exists. Now, how our culture goes and how they want to, they can think all they want. But I am not negating God's truth. And it gives me a sense of urgency that I want people to be able to rejoice in their salvation, not rejoice in their pain. And also, I can have heaven here on earth. So, I mean, you think, I have time. You don't have much time. You don't know when it's going to come. You need to know, because when I ask the people in the God test, do you know you're going to heaven? You know what they tell me? Well, I think so, because I do good things. That's great. That is just fantastic. You do great, good things. Good things don't get you there. A surrendered life gets you there. Now, we'll have a great celebration. It's the good things they did, but if it ain't eternal things, it doesn't matter. It's amazing when I look at that. Anguish and torment and comfort and joy. I can have joy because when I let this body down, I'm going to get a resurrected body and I'm going to be in comfort. And everything we practice like worship, that's what I'm going to be doing every single day. So if you don't like worship, you better get used to it. That's what you're going to be doing in heaven. That's the thing. Gives me a sense of urgency this season. I'm loving the way society is going today. They're taking out the way to gray. They're taking the gray away. Either you're born and you surrender to Christ or you're not. All the nominal is going away because the questions are going to come ask, what do you believe? And I love the crisis because it makes us make a decision. And guys, church on Sunday only by, your, by once a year, it's not going to cut it. And you can't sit before the judgment seat and say, well, because my parents, you know, they treated me wrong. Oh, you know, them hypocrites in church. He's going to say, they're not here. I'm talking to you. So you're going to be a man of a light of excuses. But let me tell you something. When I read that story, it was too late for Lazarus when you get to that point. It's too late. Think about that. There's no time for nominal Christianity anymore. We need warriors. We need builders. Take this gospel out when we reach out. Because people are dying. They might get on your nerves at work, but they die tomorrow. You know where they're going. If you're praying for them to go there, then you need to repent. It breaks my heart to see people. They do a lot of great things. They got certificates on the walls and don't know who Jesus is. And really thing is, no one shared it with them. But the greatest thing is the setup. If you go, you'll understand something. My last point, you rejoice in God's sovereignty. In the same hour, he rejoiced. This is verse 21. In the Holy Spirit, 
I love when Jesus rejoices in the Holy Spirit. How many love to rejoice in the Holy Spirit? And he said, thank you, Father, of heaven and earth. There's no other. That you have hidden these things from who? From who? And revealed them to who? How many got children? How many can tell your children, I have no money, they don't believe you? They believe, right? Money is in your house, mama. In your purse, daddy. I'm not your purse, daddy. Your, and your mama. In your wallet, daddy. If you wear a purse, I'm sorry. I'm learning. I'm, I'm from New York, things happen. Anyway, you can't tell them nothing, can you? You can't tell them the Easter Bunny doesn't exist, do you? Don't act like you don't tell them. Stop lying. Can't tell them Santa Claus don't exist, do you? When I grew up, someone saying, man, we're going to fight. Yeah. I don't want no explanation. And when I, was a fat, I don't care. I get up, I go to bed 24th. I wake up 25th, half full of toys. This is Santa Claus. <laughs> tell, me, tell me something. We're going to fight. And you can tell them anything. And they believe it. Then we all have to grow old and tell our kids how much we lied to them. <laughs> Let me keep going. I'll never get through this. Father, for such was your gracious will. Circle that. God's will, his grace, his sovereignty. All things have been handed over by me, by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and or who the Father except the Son. Anyone to whom the Son chooses reveals him. Then turning to the disciples, he said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see that you, what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings desire to see what you see and did not see it and to hear what you hear and do not hear it. If you later on, later on in the Gospels, Jesus is saying this, blessed are the ones who don't see and they believe. The prophets that you read about in the Old Testament, the men of God who went before us, saw, that's when you look at the book of Hebrews, they think they didn't receive the promise, they saw you sitting here today and serving Jesus in such a magnificent way because he said the works I do will be greater works. Jesus said, the greater works you'll do because there's to be so more many of you. It's amazing. They saw sometimes the things we don't see. God in his sovereignty, he imparts revelation to whom he wants to. That's the greatest thing. When you read in the Bible and you see about, he has a, a, a story in there about the four soils and how one catches, the other one doesn't catch, but at the end, since it's one that catches the or soul so well and they catch the word of God and do great things in 34, 30, 60, 100 fold. It's amazing. It gives me, I get one, I get um, out of three, four shots, I'll get one person, which is okay. God is sovereign. He says, when you go and you reach out, hey, don't worry about what the results are. That's your result. You don't understand my result. Just be, he said, just be, rejoice in my actions. I have to laugh all the time and say, how he got a hold of me? It's the funniest thing, me, and how he goes about getting with people, how God brings people into his kingdom, using us for that. Because each one of you is sitting in a room because someone spoke Jesus to you. Someone prayed for you. It was a setup from the get up. So you have to have that mindset when you go out. 
Regardless if they say no, because he said, they reject me, they're rejecting the one who sent me. But I think four out of three, I mean, I'll get one out of four, I'm okay. Who's counting? Because that one might grab four more people. See, I remember my joy, especially when outreach, my joy can be up and down because I'm thinking about my result. But it isn't my result. It isn't my plan. It's God's plan and his commandment for me to reach out. That's the greatest thing about it. All the authority they delegated down to me, I'm just walking in his authority and just enjoying it. I have to learn to enjoy it and not get caught up in the negativity of it. One thing I love is the scripture in John 14, 6. No one will, it says this, I am the way and the truth and the life. It didn't say a way, a truth, and a life. But the second part is this one. No one comes to the Father except through me. No one except Jesus reveals them. Now, how does he reveal them? Through us. Through us. He said, there's got to be another way. There's no other way. Today's society, we can pray till heaven come down and hope people come in here. Some days are over. We have to go and extend the arms of Christ. And you do it every day. You go to work. They see Christ in you every day. Now, if that's good or bad, you need to fix that. So you want some of that. I just tell Donna, the first people I met for Jesus, when I had to work with them, I didn't want any of that. They were like, I'm being so persecuted. I said, why don't you just do your job? Show up on time, do your job. You're persecuting me. I just want to read my Bible. Read at lunchtime, man, but we got to go work on airplanes. <sighs> and I'm like, I don't want none of that, dude. None of that. Whatever you're drinking, that G- I don't know what kind of Jesus you're talking about. What are you talking about? Versus those know who know things are going haywire at your job, but you have peace. When he sent him out, he says, there's peace, impart your peace to your workplace. Impart your peace to your campus. Those who are in sound control and who know their God, they're looking at you every single day. You don't have to put a sticker on your cubicle. They can tell by your life. Why don't you just introduce a new life to them? Guys, why don't you come forward? Is my guys here? I want to hand out some cards. I need to get some cards out. There's some cards back there to hand out. I want to show you a picture that I took this morning. Did you get it? It should be a better picture. This is a tree that's outside my house. It's called a Bradford pear. And I believe, me and my wife, we tried to plant at least four of them. No, three of them. Four. And we get them, we put them out, we fertilize them, do all this work. They last six months, they die. Beautiful trees, they die. Too much rain, drought. So we'll get some Texas trees. That's supposed to be a Texas tree. It didn't work for us. Then we say, okay, let's do this one more time. Let's buy a tree. Well, we went to Home Depot. 
And it had a tree that was about just small, branches broken over, broken off, looking pretty horrible on the sale line. We paid $9.95 for this tree. $9.95. In fact, we were going to give it to us for free because it was looking so bad. And we had no expectations for this tree. None at all. Care less. I'm just going to put it in the ground and I'm going to water it. That's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to fertilize it. I'm not going to touch this thing because it ain't going to matter. It's not going to make it. But hey, we're helping them out. It's $9. Let's try this thing out. Let me get my result into it. Well, we put this tree in well, since we've been in a drought for three years. God said, watch this. Ha ha. Now I got to figure out it's getting close to the gate. So now I got to cut it back. <laughs> and I look at this, the kingdom of God. And why some of us don't reach out. One, we forget that we were like that tree. World casts us off. People say we have no, we have no business being here. You're worthless. All those things. You're broken down. No one can use you. That was us. That was me. And God said, let me send my son. Let me give him a chance because what they see is different than what I see. So he do that. So he put him in the, put you in the ground, put his son in the ground. You give your son, to, give your life to him. And look what you look like this, about to bloom. The other thing that got, my, got me going was I never, especially with people we work with, I never want to write them off because God has never wrote them off. He's never wrote them off. But I can write them off. Like my brother-in-law, 19, 19 times. You going to church? You going, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm lying, I'm going, I'm going. I ain't going to church. I'm going to watch football. He never stopped because he saw me this, this way. And then when I did show up, I wasn't smelling the best. I was up all night drinking. And then I, I got messed up. I come to the front door, and the guy who I went to school with 30 days prior was drinking with me, got born again. He gives me this biggest hug, and I'm like, oh, don't hug me, man. What is this? I'm getting out of here. <laughs> then I go to a service, and the guy and the pastor, I don't know, God led him to do something. I'm sitting there in the back. He does this. He stands up. And he looks at me, he points at me. You know you need to be saved. I'm like, who is this dude? <laughs> I said, I'm never coming back to this joint. Because I learned if I'm the last one in, I could be the first one out. <laughs> then I try to get out the door. And then the same guy hugs me again. I'm like, oh, no. I'm out of here so quickly. And then the pastor grabs me, gives me the biggest hug. I wish you stopped hugging me. So I heard about your death, a friend, your family death. Thank you. For, I said, who told him that? Then I got home. I told Donna. Donna said, what are we going to do? My, my mind said, I'm never going back. <laughs> that was it for me, man. I had enough of that stuff. And I said this, we're going back. You know what that was in? The Holy Spirit was that. See, I was a Lutheran. That meant something. 
and the Holy Spirit. I'm like, I said it. Then she said, we said, we're going back. <laughs> I'm going back. I'm like, whoa, man. <laughs> then they have another call. I'm not getting up. They call one more. I'm not getting up. I am not getting up. I am not getting up. He says, who wants to stand up and read that? And I go, and I'm like, why am I standing? <laughs> who are you? And all I heard, I prayed for you, I prayed for you, I prayed. I said, stop praying. I am not me. Who is this guy? And I went to park cars because I wanted to park cars to help other people get caught in the, in the parking lot too. I was good at it. I didn't want to write them off. My brother-in-law didn't write me off. I don't want to write people off who I work with because they were in that that line. A lot of us were in that line. Tree broke, branches broken off. Not worth, you're not even worth the price to pay for. But by golly, we had a Savior says, it's not about their worth, it's about who they are. I know their name. I know that before they were born. Now let me certify it in the book of life. That card, everyone get a card. Hold them up. I'm just crazy enough to think. Remember I said this earlier? Each one, reach one. I ask you to pray for one person on that card. One person. They might, they got, you got two weeks. One person. And probably the one that you hate the most. That get on your skin. And y'all like, yeah, I got a lot of them. Take more cards at the welcome desk. <laughs> and Pray. Because this grew in the midst of drought. My expectation for this tree was low. God's expectation was high. Everyone out there, God's expectation for people is high. I have not, all we do is put water in this thing, and she's growing, and she, because he grows, not the heat, it goes up. It's a private joke. It grows up and out. God convicted me of that. My expectations for people, they're too far gone. I'm not asking them one more time. I'm not gonna get in the. I'm not gonna take them to lunch. They don't understand. And I'm a pastor, but I'm glad that Louis Gonzalez did not quit. I'm glad. What's his name? My brother-in-law. Norman. Norman. I'm sorry. Norman, if you're on the tape, I love you, brother. I remember you all the time. Y'all pray for your pastor, okay? <laughs> I tell you, when you get old, you forget. <laughs> hey, I'm legal. Season, not old. That card, everyone stand. And you ask right now, ask God on this card. Whom? Whom, God? And don't think you're in such dire straits that you can't pray for other people because it will help you help other people. Whom on that card? That's a challenge. If you need more cards, you can come to the welcome desk and get them. We bought 500 of them. And I'm not, you know, us, sopleship stops in small groups and all that, but I already know my experience when I came in the doors. And God wants to do whatever he wants to do the way he wants to do it. 
in America's our front door is our church. But whom? Let's pray. Father, I thank you right now.